You're listening to a DM podcast. Becky and I have been podcasting for about a year and it's all just been nonsense, just us riffing in a room together. It's It was hit and miss. Some of them were really funny. Some of them were just very indulgent. At a certain point, I think we realized that we work really good when we're ganging up on people. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jules, and this is Stocks. On today's Behind the Podcast, we're talking with Lord Cameron James, a prolific podcaster who's responsible for a number of podcasts, such as The Blank Slate, Mike Check, Total Reboot, Finding Drago, Finding Desperado, and The Becky and Cam Hotline. We wanted to pick his brain on co-host chemistry. We're, what, 20 episodes in now? Feel like it got a format? Feel like we know what we're doing? But how can we get better as a duo? Who better to talk to than Cam? The co-host with the mostest. So, yeah, we've been listening to all of his podcasts for even this show came about and huge fan of his different ones. What a pleasure, huh? I mean, it's so diverse. He's done fully scripted podcasts like the Finding Drago, Finding Desperado podcast, investigative pieces, improv with Becky Lucas. Becky Lucas, so a little bit of this, a little bit of that was complete improv and now the Becky and Cam hotline is improv within a, a structure and something in between with Total Reboot podcast. Done it all. That's right. Him and uh, Alexi obviously have had a few shows together. Yeah, and they're so much fun to listen to, right? Yeah, you can definitely see the chem- or hear the chemistry between the two of those. They're two guys who really, really enjoy each other's company and points of view. They cover an, a number of different things. I mean, if you want to go deep dive on certain movies, they're huge movie nerds, and they've got a great point of view on each of those sorts of uh, films that they cover, particularly in the case of Total Reboot, doing sequels, all that kind of, any, any franchise thing. What I love is that Cam's found a way to basically guarantee that he spends lots of time with his two best friends and gets paid to do it. Pretty cool. Absolutely. They've just mastered the art of finding niche topics and turning that into big audiences. And like, I think that's a pretty good outcome. If you're talking about why would you get into podcasting now, you want to do it, you want to have a voice, the barriers to entry are low. But if you can get the dream is to hang out with your friends and to talk shit and to have an audience and to be remunerated for it, sounds good. Sounds pretty good to me. Him and Alexi have managed to turn their podcast into a franchise of their own. The Finding franchise, we'll call it. Um, so they've done, as we said, uh, Finding Drago and Finding Desperado, and there's another Finding coming up, soon to be released, so yeah, stay tuned. So it's hard to know where to start uh, with Cameron James. We usually ask people to tell us, give us the elevator pitch of one of their podcasts, but since you've got so many, why don't we just jump in with Finding Desperado? So Finding Desperado is a true crime documentary podcast hosted by... Two comedians who are not journalists and who are not very good at solving crimes. Pop culture investigators. Thank you. That's it. That's the phrase I always forget. <laughs> and that's the one I should remember. Pop culture investigators. Myself and Alexi Toliopoulos. Um, and yeah, that's it. We found a weird mystery of a mysterious fake Guinness World Record and we are determined to solve it. And that's the show. Okay. And this wasn't your first investigation. The first one was mm. Finding Drago. That's right. Yes, Finding Drago, which is the same premise, but we found uh, <laughs> we found a weird book on the internet that was written about a side character from the movie Rocky Four, and it was written under a pseudonym, and we wanted to find out who the real author was. Brilliant. So I guess before we dive into the weeds on that, which we're really keen to do, uh-huh. I guess we want to set it up. Jules and I have been doing this podcast for, what, a few months now? Yep. Yep. Still trying to work out how to co-host a show together, oh, and yeah. we figured we'd talk to... 
the man who is the greatest co-host of <laughs> podcast in Australia. Prolific podcast yeah, in Australia. Yeah. Cam James yeah, to um, yeah. give us some advice on how to do it properly. Oh, the co-host <laughs> king. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Or the host with the co-hosts. The, co- the co-host, co-host with the co-hosts. Yeah, 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 that sounds good. That we won't make good. you rank your favourite other co-hosts. But... Mm, no, it, it depends on how they treat me during yeah. the week. It, it, it's a sliding scale that they're on. Uh, what do you, well, I can help you out any way you want. I understand it's difficult sometimes to know what the dynamic is supposed to be, what the chemistry is. I'm here to help. Any questions you have, okay. fire away. Dynamic, I suppose, and, and chemistry. I mean, the Alexi uh, Toliopoulos and, and uh, Becky Lucas are your mm-hmm. two main ones mm-hmm. currently. Yeah, my two side pieces. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been with them? Uh, well, exclusive. Um, Alexi and I have been podcasting together for five or six years. We used to have a, a movie podcast years ago. It doesn't exist anymore called The Blank Slate. And there was no real premise to it. We would just watch a movie with our friend Henry and then we'd talk about it. And then uh, from out of that, our friendship blossomed and we decided that something we were really interested in was talking incredibly nichely about pop culture. So our first thing we did, just the two of us, was a podcast called Mike Check, which ran for whatever, like 50 episodes or something. And the premise of that show was that we would only watch the films appearances and Saturday Night Live episodes of Mike Myers, the comedian Mike <laughs> Myers. Niche. It was called Mike Check. <laughs> and it was a very clever name. And uh, even though it's incredibly niche, bizarrely, it uh, it did well. It kind of popped a little bit on a, you know, like a small scale. Will Anderson really liked it, so he would share it a lot. And then he eventually guested on it. Hamish and Andy did the same thing and Rove McManus. And that was like a the first time anyone had paid attention to us and we couldn't believe it because it was such a bizarre little like who cares it's a mike myers podcast but it connected on some strange way how did you get 50 episodes out of that oh we stretched it we stretched what an appearance could be so anytime he presented an award at like the oscars or whatever the hell we counted that and we would talk about that for an hour part one two and three on that performance yep exactly (laughs) we would break down things we do multiple episodes on you know like the love guru or gold member or whatever and just really dig into the weeds of it uh yeah it was great i mean it was so much fun because i like mike myers and i like comedies so it was very easy to talk about. Yeah. And also the fact that it was so niche and strange and people were still listening made it even funnier to me. Yeah. And the fact that we would get Hamish Blake on and he was only allowed to talk about Wayne's World and wasn't <laughs> allowed to talk about his career or anything else was very funny to me. That we were just wasting his time. <laughs> <laughs> How long till it started picking up steam and you started to get this interest from these oh, you know, legendary comedians? It was probably like 20 weeks or something of us, maybe even less, maybe 15-ish weeks of us just kind of seemingly talking to ourselves and our small listenership. And then I think someone must have told Hamish and Andy about it and then they started talking about it on their radio show and then from there it kind of grew but it definitely peaked. It definitely hit a point where we were like, we can't talk about this anymore. We've yeah. run out of ideas and <laughs> we've plateaued on our listenership level. We need to maybe get a little bit less niche. Right. So yeah, you, yeah. Okay, so less niche into Finding Drago, a or- small... <laughs> <laughs> book about a character yeah, yeah. yeah okay as i'm saying that i'm realizing pretty much everything we've done has been for 
seemingly for an incredibly small audience, <laughs> but has some, somehow found found listeners. I don't know how. So, how did that one come about? I mean, did Alexi find that book? You know, as right. it's set up in the in the podcast and kind yes. of bring this idea to you. Or what so, was the after like? Mike check, Alexi and I decided we wanted to talk uh, about. M- movies, more movies than the ones that Mike Myers are in. You know, you're about sick of Cat in the Hat, a bit sick of uh, View from the Top, all that shit, Austin Powers. So we made a podcast called Total Reboot, which the premise of that show is that we mainly talk about film franchises, sequels, and remakes. Yeah. Um, a and bottomless well. A bottomless yeah. well. Because yeah. always, there's always remakes, there's always franchises, there's whole universes of movies now that are all tied together. Um in that podcast, we were talking about the Rocky franchise and the Rocky Four episode. One of the great franchises, one of the, by one the of way, the great, probably, and, and the greatest. What's your favorite Rocky? Oh man, I'm now a Rocky Four guy, but I when we did the podcast, I hated it. I was like, this movie sucks. There's a robot in it. This is stupid. He Ro- solves the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I like it. See, now I've come around on Rocky Four. I think it's actually the best one. But I'm also a Creed guy. Creed one and two. I love ah, those. I love yes, those. those yes. They're they're good films. They are very good films. I would say they're films. When we were doing Rocky Four in Alexi's research, he found this bizarre book called Drago on Mountains We Stand, and it's written from the perspective of Ivan Drago, the villain from Rocky Four, and it was written by an author called Todd Noy, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning. Journalist and novelist, missing, presumed, dead. Sports journalist. From Perth? Sports journalist oh. from Perth, yeah. Western Australia. Um, and there was a very detailed bio for Todd Noy. And so we kind of just thought it was funny and we read the book and it was so small and weirdly written and we just thought it was hilarious. And then it wasn't until we saw the line, missing, presumed, dead, that we were like, this is crazy. This is like a weird <laughs> Ernest Hemingway-esque Author, why haven't we heard of him? And then that kind of started our investigation into who the real person was behind Todd Noy. And the quality of the writing was really good, wasn't it? Or it's was it? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it was kind of funny because we talk about it a bit on the podcast. Some chapters are just like a paragraph long or even less. They're sort of, you know, one chapter I think is six words or something. So it's kind of, it sort of seems like a joke when you're reading it. You're like, this it is... makes everything else seem so bloated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's economy of writing. Yeah. That, that's where the Ernest Hemingway stuff comes in. But, um, you know, it's pretty well written. And the without spoiling the plot of the mystery of Finding Drago, the writer Todd Noy has more books that are available and they're all pretty well written. And they're all incredible titles. They're all great titles. Swarmer, March of the Noxman, Limey and Me, <laughs> Alabaster Wars. Um, there's a lot. They're all great. So, I mean, like how far in down the, the rabbit hole are you before you start to think, like, hang on, let's just pull up and, and see what we can do with this? Yeah, when do you pitch this mm, to ABC? What is it? That's interesting. Drago is different because uh, Alexi and I, we did a fair bit of just researched for our own fun we were just kind of we'd send each other things and go look at this crazy thing there's no way this is real and then we'd dig deeper and go i think this guy is a pseudonym Uh, i think it might be one of these five people and we'd narrow it down and then we thought it was a fun idea alexi pitched uh, alexi did a small version of it as a university assignment he was still studying at afters at the time and so that was a, a, t- a 10 minute version became his like final year um, product or whatever, his final year assessment. And once we heard that, 
we thought we should pitch this to ABC. And weirdly, they bought it pretty much right off the bat, even though we had no experience making true crime or really documentary at all. But I think we lucked out in the fact that the EP, um, Tom Wright, was just sort of very charmed by this crazy premise. (laughs) (laughs) And probably Alexi, like, you know, he's... Alexi's a very charming guy. So I think people just generally fall fall in love with him a little bit. <laughs> he is very likable. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then from there, I think, because um, we've, we've obviously done a second season and we're working on a third at the moment, there's a lot of research that goes in before we pitch. Right. Yeah. And there's multiple stories now. So season two, I think we had three possible stories that we were going to investigate. And we and then we finally found the one that seemed to have the most life or the most right. The okay, details. so you went with three and just yeah, picked one in the end. I think we we soft pitched two to the ABC, and then uh, they seemed more interested in one than the other. And and luckily, that's the one that we thought there's more. And that had lightning. That was to. lightning in the bottle. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it could have gone either way because at a certain point, you know, I th- I'd say we research up until. Th- possibly three episodes worth of content before we pitch but the back three i mean we don't know what could happen yeah. you know by by the time we get to episode four it could be over or you could find out the guy's dead or yeah you know yeah, yeah. or he's crazy <laughs> i love that there's these little like kind of mysteries on the internet that just someone's put out there and just yeah you know, random people might pick up all these movie subculture websites yeah. and so spaces bizarre. incredible well even the you know even finding desperado the kind of tie-in i suppose with total reboot i remember listening to that and you were talking about silence of the lambs mm. and that kind of thing and the way you've weaved that into the <laughs> yeah desperado and the serendipity <laughs> of, of someone related to Todd Noy becoming an expert character oh, yeah. reference witness yeah. oh, in man. Desperado was like, oh, behind the mind. Just yeah. be- well, how do you put it? It was, it was um, you were Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Todd Noy became our Hannibal Lecter. Well, yeah, okay. A little Pull back the curtain a little bit. That was one of the first ideas that we had when we knew what the story was going to be for Finding Desperado. We were talking about you know what because we wanted to work with him again yeah. um with Todd Noy because he was so funny and so interesting and he's so good on the mic yeah. and he kept spitting out these pearls of absolute like semi nonsense but semi wisdom yeah and we thought we got to get that back again but what could he be and uh, once we kind of figured out that he could be Hannibal Lecter Ugh. We almost built the whole season around that, just going, you know, isn't that, that's always the best part of Silence of the Lambs is Hannibal's in it for like eight minutes and he pushes the story along and pushes Clarice closer to the killer. It's and, perfect. And wins the Academy Award. Yeah, for wins the Oscar. Best supporting, right? <laughs> yeah, Come on. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what we did. We kind of went, yeah, we got to recreate that as much as we can. Clever, clever. Mm. So were you and Alexi friends before you started Doing podcasts, or is that how you became friends? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, through comedy. I think we both, you know, stand-ups. I, I still do stand-up. Alexi doesn't do it so much anymore, but we met through that scene and then just sort of both had things in common. Actually, how did you guys meet? What's your story? Actually, I remember the first time I met Stocks, a friend of mine was driving us around to a, a common oh. mate's party. We might need to cut this, actually. I'm thinking <laughs> probably <laughs> Say no name. Say no name. Anyway, so this guy was driving and maybe had had one or two, and we were trying to find the the location of the party. Drove down the road before you know sat nav and everything, and then saw the guys. He went to do a three point turn, hit reverse, 
rather than oh, no. drive and just went straight back into a pole in front of these like cool guys we hadn't met before. <laughs> and yeah, and I just remember seeing Stocks like killing himself laughing. It's probably the appropriate response. <laughs> Been friends ever since. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's an inbuilt history. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about. Kind of having those drunk nights out or those weird experiences yeah and we'd always just flick each other podcasts back in the day and mm. and just bits of pop culture and then went well that's it yeah that's how we ended up here well yeah it's yeah. similar with lexi yeah. and i it's just we you have things in common and then you just still go well let's how can we ruin this friendship <laughs> let's turn it into a professional relationship <laughs> yeah i mean and the amount that you guys record like with the total reboot i mean this is a weekly kind of podcast mm. and it's not just like you know shoot the shit light stuff it's really going deep on these films and having other people involved as well Sometimes. and then balancing that with the the full-on investigations i mean what's this like yeah it's pretty it, it's pretty psycho <laughs> <laughs> sometimes um yeah because for total reboot it's a weekly podcast and we try to we try to make it high quality you know we try to we want it to say something about what we're talking about mm -hmm. and about pop culture and about whatever the genre or the franchise is that we're exploring I find that Alexi is just naturally, that's just how he thinks and talks. So yeah. oftentimes I'll watch the movie. I'll think of a couple of things I want to say. And then when I show up to his place to record, he just turns on the tap and it all comes out. And he's just got, all of a sudden he's got an essay and a thesis and his <laughs> a statement. And I just ride that wave and uh, agree a lot, chip in, <laughs> throw a few jokes in. Sometimes expand on things he said, but it's it's all him. He's like a he's a genuine yeah. film critic. He's really good at it's it. It's incredible, isn't it? And you, I think you two are two of the best laughers as well. Oh, like dude. you're really good at, <laughs> at laughing in a way that sells each other. And I'm yeah, not saying just... it's ingenuous in any way, but you're both fantastic laughers. Yeah, and I think oh, it really nice. makes a big difference. Oh, I've never thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah, we had a young fellow um, who does a rugby podcast, and he was on TV for the first time this week. Yeah, and he went in with a guy who really oversold the laugh on the stuff, and it was like, oh, thank you so much. That helped me so much in terms of it's being such comfortable. A dream, hey. Yeah, but you guys have just got this incredible chemistry where it's just the two of you. I mean, we've yeah, got horrible laughs, but you guys have got this incredible laughs. And even some of the stuff you put on your socials of him dancing the other day. <laughs> I was like, how much fun do you guys have? Like, he's a he's so much fun. It's I'm very lucky to work with him because he just hasn't got a he doesn't got like a negative bone in his body. He can find the joy in everything. Almost too much sometimes. Oh, he loves the most niche, dank, yeah. like subculture genres of film. It's so film. weird. Or even like, you know, if there's a film that for example, we just watched the movie Twilight. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm -hmm. I, I was too old to see it at school. You know, actually it was, I was out of school when it came out. So I missed it completely. I saw it for the first time this year and, um, I was peak age. I was a, I was a tween in high school when it came out, just exploring love for the first time. <laughs> I think it's I'm sucks. the youngest one here by many years <laughs> for the record. <laughs> Were you a werewolf or a vampire? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely Jacob. I don't know. <laughs> Team Jacob. Well, yeah, me too. Me too. Um, it sucks, but Alexi loved it and was like waxing lyrical about it, being like, oh, it's beautiful. It's like a timeless love story and all this shit. And I was like, are you are you serious? Like, yeah, finding do the Shakespeare you actually love parallels it? And everything. There's no way you actually love it, but he does. Mm, he like yeah. just finds the positivity in everything. That comes through in Desperado. You're watching some of the 
films by Sidney Ling, yeah. and he's just going, "Look at this!" No, no, no. And then you're, you're, it seems to be contagious. Going, look at him come in. He's like a movie star. That is just, true. I can yeah. get swept up in it if someone's earnestly talking about something. I can definitely get swept up in it. But most of those Sidney Ling movies do suck. I, or not, in hindsight, <laughs> <laughs> now that I've had a bit of distance from it, I can look at them and go, "I think they're pretty bad." But yeah, yeah, when you're there and Alexi's talking at you, you get caught up in the moment. Were there Damn. any kind of production lessons that you've learned? such as like, you know, not wearing a wire when you're <laughs> recording stuff for the ABC. Oh man, so many lessons. Um, especially because we made Finding Desperado during the, f- the first bout of uh, COVID in Australia. So lockdown was going on. The ABC was locked down. We weren't allowed in there. So we were recording it in uh, Marrickville in Sydney in a shipping container that has oh. been converted into quote-unquote, a soundproof um, studio space. Right. It was not soundproof. Yeah, I'm just thinking like the rain on the tin roof kind of scenario. Not only that, but it was right on Victoria Roads, which is a very busy road in Marrickville. So you can hear cars, trucks, motorbikes, construction outside, just the beeping of forklifts and stuff. It was crazy that we even decided to do it there but anyway we didn't have there was no budget really it was so low budget and there was no other option so we're forced to do it and as a result we really lent into the um soundscape and the sound design on that season and i think it's really elevated from season one and that really helped because we just thought well this sounds like when you hear these tracks raw it sounds like we're in a shipping container on a busy road but if we get our sound design and to add music um the like voiceover work was sensational yeah. Yeah. yeah and then just every like little little sonic details that he would add like the turning of pages and footsteps walking on sand and i don't know creaking of doors little things like that yeah elevated Rich, it yeah, so sure. much every time i heard the first draft of an episode i couldn't believe that we were that we made it and you had pia miranda playing marilyn monroe's yes. mystery daughter totally that's that was a dream come true so how do you approach someone like that for that type of work what's the pitch i guess we we're lucky that we have the abc as a brand behind us Mm because people it legitimizes us a little bit and alexi's healthy obsession with looking for for loves loves looking for our brandy i think he he's met her he met p miranda and he met uh melina marquetta who wrote the book um, on something. I don't know what it was. I think maybe that... Remember that Rove McManus hosted movie show that was on Channel 9 or something? Oh, for, for a, a minute. Yes, yes, yeah, it's yes. Not, I don't think it exists anymore, but Alexi had a job on that as a researcher. And as a result, he met P. Miranda and then he met Melina um, through that. And um, so he had one point of contact. Then we, ha- then we were able to say, it's for the ABC. There was a bit of budget to pay her. It seemed legit. But once we were on the line with her over Zoom... And she could see that we were just in like a shipping container <laughs> and we were like, hi, like crowding into the shot and waving at her and stuff. I think there was a moment where she was like, what the hell is this? And then of course the script that we gave her to read is crazy because it's from the memoir of a, a woman who believes she's Marilyn Monroe's daughter. Yeah. So there was a lot of, a lot of having to explain to her what the vibe was. <laughs> And she would say things like, these sentences don't make sense. And we'd go, we know, but you have to say it exactly as it's written. Yeah, it wasn't us who yeah. wrote this. <laughs> yeah, we, didn't, we didn't write it. It's not a script. Yeah. Someone else did. And we want you to leave all the mistakes in because that's part of it. It's very hard to mm. explain the tone, but we're sort of 
we're laughing at it and with it and we're celebrating it at the same time. Yeah, but she was great. She was so cool, so funny. And there was a moment when we were listening to her read out, you know, this story of a young uh, Italian-American woman who's living in the shadow of her mother that Alexi and I both realized we were making looking for Ella Brandi because that's exactly what that book and movie is about. And it was pure coincidence. We didn't cast her because of that connection, but we were, we were just sort of sitting there going, this is exactly the themes of looking for Ella Brandi. And we have Josie Ella Brandi. This is crazy. Alexi cried. I think the subconscious (laughs) (laughs) as usual. Um, So production wise, I guess, post-production wise, how does it work? I know you've both got experience in the space. Yeah. Is someone driving the edits? Is someone, or you? Is it a collaborative process? How do you guys do that? It's pretty collaborative. Um, I think season one, Drago, Alexi was more involved in the post because it was kind of his story. He led it. He led the research. He was the main narrator, and he had a lot of ideas, uh, like tonally and aesthetically, that he wanted it to sound like and feel like. So he was. I would leave kind of after I'd recorded with him and then and then I would just hear the drafts. Uh, season two, I guess it's fair to say it was more my story and more my leading and I really had this tone I wanted to hit of the of the like 90s thriller genre. So Silence of the Lambs and Talented Mr. Ripley and stuff like that. So I was sitting in on edits and listening to interviews multiple times and making all the cuts and I found that I loved it. I used to work in post-production in television and uh, right after uni in film on a movie that no one has seen. Um, But you can watch it on Disney Plus. It's called Walking with Dinosaurs 3D and it's bad. But I worked on it. So, yeah, watch it. And you still got any royalties from Disney Plus? No (laughs) royalties. No back end. No, I got no points on it. I should have got points. Um and so I'd, I, but it had been a long time since I'd worked in post-production, but this, it gave me a whole new love for it. I, I kind of realized that that is directing in many ways as you kind of listening back to all your takes and shaping it and turning it into something and moving things around. And now I love it. I kind of do it on um, the hotline show with Becky too. Yes. Like, yeah. I know you drive that. Yeah. So was, yeah. Blake, uh, who uh, records with us, will obviously assemble everything and edit everything. And he's like, oh, he's great. He's a genius. But I love to listen to it before he's edited it and give my notes because I kind of get some enjoyment out of it now. How do you how do you give your notes? I mean, are you just like kind of... Because when we do it, I just look at the, the Dropbox file and, and yeah. scroll through and just start to try and get roughly, I think, where the second was. And Yeah, I kind of do the same thing. I, yeah. Time codes, usually, I just go from here to here, let's cut it or let's move that to the start. That's the strongest part. That's a hook blah, blah, blah. It's all like pretty rough. And I don't know. I still don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I, I don't know. I kind of like being involved in the, like getting my hands dirty, you when, know, when feels you were, like work when you're doing it, which I like. Yeah. You're actually like we're finishing up a product at yeah. the end and you've done something, you've got something to show for it. Yeah. When you were doing like back when it was the, the blank slate, I mean, mm-hmm. who was kind of uh, doing most of that kind of stuff back mm. then. And... We all hated doing it back then. Yeah, so right. we would all take turns doing it. And I stopped doing it for a long time. I just would, I was, I was lazy and I was just like, I don't want to edit the fucking mm. podcast. Let's just put it up unedited, like raw, leave in all the weird pauses and the bits where we get actors names wrong and then correct ourselves. 
But yeah, now that I'm uh, whatever, five or six years deep into doing podcasts, and actually probably since talking to you a fair bit, Stocksy, about this sort of stuff, I realized that, you know, this is a medium where you can afford to be tighter and editing can be part of it. And and respect the audience's yeah, time. And, it's their yeah. time. Yeah. They're putting you in their ears once or twice a week. And, you know, it's a big commitment to say, can you just listen to me for a bit? So they may as well get a good product. Yeah. yeah. No, you guys yeah. are doing good stuff. I mean, that's how we're trying to approach it now is if you want an editor, hop on Fiverr and just yeah, get an editor. But try to produce the show. And there's something to that. I mean, what we do is we often come in on the weekend, sit in the studio, have a few beers and go through and really try and edit the show yeah. sometimes. For, yeah, the first few for us, it was highly, highly edited. And it was just, you know, getting used to hearing yourself talk. Totally. Asking questions properly, not sort of like drifting off and rambling off yeah. and leaving it open or that kind of thing. That was a big thing, huh? We'd ask a question and then... You just should stop and let the person answer. But then you go, but do you think so? You and, keep going, And, and yeah. trail off into this little feeble little yeah. double question. It's it's so it's hard to avoid that. I reckon I still do that sometimes. And um, yeah, Alexi and I are just starting to add interviews into our Total Reboot podcast. We've yeah. decided because we had a lot of fun doing it on Drago and Desperado and we want to get better at it. Um, and we've just recorded a couple of interviews with some filmmakers and I listened back and went, yeah, I'm shit at this. I think like it takes a while for me to warm up 10 minutes in maybe. And then I start getting pretty concise and good, but that first 10 minutes I'm waffling on, I'm talking too much. Yeah. Asking questions that are obvious. Oh, it's so hard. And you don't know, like, I mean, with podcasting, I think a lot of people appear on different podcasts mm. around and you don't know, you know, what stories they've already told and, yeah. and you know, what yeah. you're sort of repeating or what. Mm. People know. will repeat stuff, though. Yeah. I've heard people say the same story five or six times. Yeah, the junkets and yeah. I've got a book to promote. And Well, we've had that with, we're interviewing podcasters and some of them are reading scripts. Yeah, and then right. you get them on and we've had to edit. Those have been the ones that are hard to edit is the people who read scripts who speak beautifully mm. and we really struggle. If you put a piece of paper in front of Jules or I, it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, so we respect the craft, but yeah. they're the toughest people to interview because there's so many, they've got so many arms, ours, you knows, this mm. and this. And that's, those have been tough ones to edit, surprisingly. What's it been like for you getting the guests? I mean, did you have a kind of hit list of people that you wanted to speak to? Uh, on Reboot? Yeah. No, we kind of thought, let's go in a bit loose and just add interviews if we feel like it. Every now and then we'll chuck up a 20-minute, 30-minute interview with somebody if we can get them. Mm. Uh, and then we didn't do anything for a long time We just because it's weird approaching people sometimes. And then a friend of ours, this guy Blake Howard, who's a film podcaster, he put up this podcast series recently about the movie Zodiac. You know the movie Zodiac? Oh, yeah, Fincher. Fincher. Great yeah. movie. And he interviewed, like, everyone involved on in the film, a lot of the actors, a lot of the, like, the screenwriter. He also got high-profile fans of that film, like Guillermo del Toro, on to talk about it and stuff. And I just was, every week I was gobsmacked at his guest list. Like, how did you get these people? And he just said, everyone's kind of in lockdown now. Yeah. If you just hit them up on social media and be really polite... And be like, I'm a big fan. I'd love to talk to you for half an hour. They'll most likely do it. And so that's kind of what I've been doing. I've just been seeing people and going, I'd like to talk to them. I'll just ask. That's a good space for you guys. 
It's not bad, hey, because yeah. because if you're only doing it every now and then, that's cool, you know. And it's just a, no pressure. It can be a half hour chat, talk to actors and filmmakers and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, and most people, I think, if you're really nice and go, hey, I love your work. I'd love to talk to you for half an hour. They'll probably say yes. I mean, mind you, we haven't gone to like Leonardo DiCaprio or anyone like that. It's I don't <laughs> well, you're, you're you're too old and you're male. But yeah. So I mean, getting getting those kind of people to participate in your podcast is is one thing. On the Beckingham hotline, you're mm-hmm. getting participation from just the general audience. What I mean, when did this one come about, and and what were you two working together to try and think of an angle that might work for this show? First of all, that was. Such good segue. Thank you. That was really good. <laughs> that was podcasting right there. That was, when you find a little moment like that, oh, I can see uh, you, you, can't played, see you played it very cool, but I could see in your eyes you were like, yeah, that was smooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's think. Becky and I, we're very good friends. Uh, Becky and Alexi are two of my best friends, and we have I've endless fun with both of them. Becky and I have been podcasting for about a year and it's all just been nonsense. Just us riffing in a room together. It's bit, it was hit and miss. Some of them were really funny. Some of them were just very indulgent at a certain point. I think we realized that we work really good when we're ganging up on people. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we had a guest on and it was us versus them, it was very electric because I think we love each other a lot. We also like to, to, to fight each other but we get very like, I don't know, electric and excited when it's we're able to focus that attention on some third party. <laughs> um, so what we did with the hotline was we thought people can call up with their problems or their issues or a question about their life. They don't get to respond because yeah. they're not there. They're leaving it as a voicemail. Love and it. then we can use that. <laughs> to talk for 10 minutes or 20 minutes about them and about their weird life. And it can be anything. It can be genuine help. It can be real stories from both our lives. It can be an attack on them or it can become a role play where we assume the characters in the story and sort of try become to Become a skit almost. Yeah. yeah, almost a yeah. skit, which is something that we just do when we're out and about on the street anyway. Like we'll see two people and then just decide to become them for the next 10 minutes and just talk as them. It's actually really obnoxious and I think people hate it when they're around it, but we get just a lot of You can't so close to them when you do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably part of it. Um, and you, it, it also was quite natural because we've been doing this sort of thing for years on social media. When we first met, we would do this thing on Twitter where we would basically do an AMA or we'd put a call out to like our minimal fans, whoever they were, and say, ask us a question and we'll answer it together. And we would do it on Twitter and then we started doing it on Instagram. So it's kind of a natural Mm. growth from there. And now it's official and it comes out weekly. You're very good at a pylon, you two. we love a pylon. It's sort of, you'll say something and Becky will take the last two words of it and repeat and then roll on. It's almost like some improv (laughs) um, class. But oh, just to yeah. watch you guys pile onto people. Sometimes, yeah. And as so you said, they have no right of reply. So it's just <laughs> they don't glorious. They don't get to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get to. But sometimes they call back, we've yeah. noticed. Because we're 10 or 11 episodes deep and people have been calling back and giving their right of reply. And that's great too. Because yeah. sometimes we get schooled and other times we go, 
harder on them. And then it's sort of, it's become a little universe of people giving us updates on their life. And I haven't, I, I didn't think about this until the other day. Um, it's weirdly, I think it's a bizarre little document of what people are going through right now. And, and sometimes it's minimal. Like it's just, you know, oh, I had a bad date with a guy. I don't know what to do. But other times it's people saying, I don't really know myself or people don't like me. And I don't know what to do about that. And that's, kind of interesting in a way yeah it's funny seeing or hearing the way the i don't know like in the earlier episodes it's, it seemed to be jump in and, and take the shit but then the later on ones you're giving genuine advice and it sort of just weaves in and out of you know giving them shit to giving them really like quite nice <laughs> advice and helpful or, or, or give things. them shit for 10 minutes and then a little bit of advice at That's the end. <laughs> just a little sweetener on the end. Well, yeah, I think it would be a bit repetitive if we were just being assholes to these people. And sometimes, like, when you hear their voice on the phone, you go, God, this person's really opening up or they're taking a risk on calling and we should be respectful of that. So are you screening calls or anything? Or oh, We listen to them. So we've got the hotline set up and usually Blake and I will listen to them in advance. Becky doesn't. Um, and I don't think she wants to. Yeah. I think she prefers to just fly by the seat of her pants and see what comes out. Yeah. I don't really prepare anything, but I will, I like to know what I'm in for. So I'll listen to them once or twice and go, that would be a nice one juxtaposed to this one or these two are about dating. Let's not put them together yeah, or okay. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So you're not just having too many like kind of back to back on the same theme. You're yeah. To spread that out a bit. Because to be honest, most of them are people calling up about dating. Um, that's m most people's main concern in life, I guess. Yes. Um, and fair enough. So yeah, I'll have a listen. I mean, I, I like listening to them as they come in. Sometimes, like I'll get a email, uh, it pops up on my phone, even if I'm out, like at the pub or whatever. I'll just go, yes, and I'll kind of sneak <laughs> off and have a listen to it because it's so weird and private. And that someone's yeah. taking the effort to yeah. reach out. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's got a dating story. And how, Everyone. did you, how did you get them to start calling up in the first place? I mean... I think social media. Yeah, so you yeah. put the call out first and then... Yeah, so we we had a listenership. It wasn't huge. Pardon me, this beer. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had a listenership. It wasn't huge, but they were enough to be pestering us pretty regularly with when's, when are you guys going to do a podcast? When's it coming back? Yeah. And we did one episode where we said, here's what the new premise is. Here's the phone number. And I think we put the phone number up on Instagram and Twitter a few times in that week or two before the app came out and they just started calling. It was slow at first. Once the few first few episodes came out, people started hearing the vibe of it and they wanted to be included and then they started rolling in. It's been pretty consistent since then. Every now and then, though, like last week, I don't think we had... I think we only had two calls last week or yeah, something, okay. and I, that stresses me out. But then one day you check it, and there's like five or six all of a it's sudden. A particularly hot weekend. Yeah. Do you remember the first one that you got? Oh. Did that make it on? Or were you like, yeah, just I, I'm sure it did. Oh, yeah, yeah. The first one was... It's in the first episode, and it was a girl saying that she had been given a gift... For, from Secret Santa that she knew that her sister had won in a Instagram competition. Great. That was the first one that yeah. came in. And that was great because it was so specific and it wasn't just, I want to find a man or I want to... Um, and there's layers to job. it. Yeah, there was yeah. so much going on in there. And now I kind of wish we got it now because I reckon we could do more with it now that we're 11 episodes deep. 
do you have their numbers? Are you going to start calling them back <laughs> you, in some you, special? You do get their numbers, <laughs> I think don't we do you? get their numbers. <laughs> yeah. I've never used that power, but I could go back through it and go, hey, you remember me? Any updates? <laughs> so we also like to get podcast recommendations from mm. our guests. Mm. You've already mentioned the Zodiac one. Do you, mm-hmm. wanna, do you remember the name of that? The guy's name is Blake Howard. He's a good mate of ours. He's an Australian podcaster. His podcast feed, if I were to describe it to you, which I'm about to, <laughs> is the most manic sounding thing in the world. His podcast is called One Heat Minute Productions. It started by being a show called One Heat Minute. And the premise was that he would watch one minute of the movie Heat every week Robert until he ran out. Yeah. The Robert De Niro, Pacino. It's actually a great, like it's a fantastic great film. film. One of the greatest High One films. of the great films. Yeah. And yeah. I could watch it millions of times, never get sick of it. I've never watched it one minute at a time, but that's what he did for his first season. Shit. And bizarrely, it took off, I think, like Mike Check, because it was crazy niche. Yeah. And people would listen to him analyze a minute of a movie at a time for an hour. Now he does, he runs about four of these at a time. So he's got Zodiac, and it's like a minute of Zodiac every week or whatever. He's also got, uh, what's the one that we did? Oh, he's got a, <laughs> he's got Miami Nice, which is about Miami Vice, obviously. <laughs> Josie and the Podcats, which is Josie and the Pussycats. There's one Alexi and I did. What's the Watergate one? Um, oh, Redford um, and oh, uh, Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, all the presidents. Oh, all yes. the presidents' minutes. That's what that oh, one's called. He's got some taste. And he's got one out right now called Three Hands, which is an analysis of the movie Two Hands with the director of the movie Two Hands, Gregor oh, wow. Jordan. Oh. It's the two of them talking about Two Hands. I don't know. I don't think it's a minute at a time, but I think it's like four or five episodes of that. So if you look at his podcast feed, which I recommend everyone do, it's crazy. It's broken up into seasons and every season is just focused on one movie, basically. It's amazing. I've I've done it. Alexi and I have guested on the uh, on the, all the president's minutes and Alexi's been on some of the other ones. It's addictive because it's just like a guy with amazing guests analyzing basically a scene from a movie every week. Yeah. And you just kind of get caught up in the minutiae of it. Really good. How long, how long's an episode of that? I think like 40 minutes or something. It's pretty good. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'd recommend that. I'd also highly recommend this American podcast series called 99% Invisible, which is a documentary series. How would I describe it? The mission statement of it is to discuss the things in the world around us, the design elements in the world around us that you don't really notice every day. Like where does the glass from our LCD TVs come from? And it kind of journalistically will break down where that glass is sourced, blah, blah, blah. That's a bad example. But some of them are skate parks, you know, like who designs the bowls? Where did the first bowl come from? Uh, who are the guys that tested the first skate parks, stuff like that. Yeah. I've been working with them at the moment on a story about yo-yos oh, and yes. why the yo-yo blew up in the 90s and kind of became a cool thing again in schoolyard in the 1995 right. to 1998. So that's been a lot of fun, like just being a journalist for these guys essentially and uh, hopefully hopefully the show gets whatever, gets comes out at some point. But um, it's really great. It's kind of history, but it's a bit specific and niche and pop culture and shit you don't even like think about. You're like like billboards. Yeah. Who made these billboards? When did they first start up? And 
Yeah, it's really good. I, I love it. I keep recommending it to people. I've become like a bit of a evangelist for 99% Invisible. <laughs> keep saying, no, you've got to listen to it. It's stuff, you, you look at it and you go, I don't care where that came from. But when you're listening, you're like, I actually care now. This is cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not invisible where their audience comes from. It's yeah. absolutely Cam James has been promoting I'm, them everywhere. Pop, they don't need my help. They get a lot of <laughs> listens. They're very they're very big. They're one of the biggest podcasts. But yeah, they've you know, they can thank me if they want. Awesome. And any uh any advice for, for duos trying yeah. to make it as a podcast? Well you guys have got great chemistry. Thank you. So nothing to say there. You know how to let each other talk, which is nice. Took me a long time to figure that out. Any tips for that? I mean, just genuinely listening to each other, which you guys are doing already. And it helps that you guys are friends. I think when you're sitting opposite a stranger, sometimes you're not really listening that much. You're just kind of going like, oh, okay, it looks like they're stopping talking. No, my turn, my turn, talk. my turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when you guys are friends, it's good because you actually do care what the other one is saying. So you are listening. And yeah, I think you guys are great. I've got no advice. Maybe... Um, well, advice for other people, I guess, as well. Just the general... Okay, don't be a selfish asshole. <laughs> <laughs> be generous. Be giving. Listen. Yes, and when someone throws you an idea, agree with it, even if you don't. <laughs> And, uh, you know, weaponize your fan base. Weaponize those guys <laughs> in some way. So what's next for you and your other pop culture detectives, I guess? Uh, Alexi and I are working on series three of the Finding Saga yep. <laughs> at the moment. Um, again, we found a couple of stories that we thought were cool and we did a little bit of research on them and then we narrowed in on one because it just seemed... It just kept, there were more layers. Every time we peeled something back, there was something yeah. else that was crazy or it would zig off into a different direction. Um, we've pitched it to ABC. They're into it. So now we need to wait till they have budget, whenever that's going to be. Awesome. That's the fun yeah, part of podcasting. government. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and waiting for budget. In Australia, uh, live shows are back and you've got yeah. some stand-up. Yes, yeah, stand-up's back. Actually, you know what? I just added uh, shows at the Sydney Comedy Festival. Let me dates, just venues. Look at my dates and venues. Okay, Sydney Comedy Festival. Um, playing April 29 to May 1. So three shows only at the Enmore Theatre. Not the main room, obviously. One of the smaller the rooms. The intimate one. The 100 seater. Yeah, I'm in there. <laughs> uh, three nights only in Sydney. Otherwise, I put all my dates up on my Instagram, which is um, at I am Cameron James. So if you're interested in seeing me do stand-up... Come over there and yeah, check me I'm out. Go to that Instagram for yeah. Alexi dancing. If yeah, any that's questions that you want to ask about podcasting that we haven't covered, definitely go up to Cam after the show. Please, he'll please. be more than happy to answer. I'd love to sit down with you for an hour, one on one. Especially if you're cut. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks for having Cam. me. Man. Appreciate Thank it. You. Cheers. Behind the Podcast is a partnership between the Australian Podcast Awards and DM Podcasts. 